Rarely wrong, always right. Sam Rajofsky here, your host of the What's Right Show. Greetings, friends. So grateful to have you with us. Uh, social media places you can find me, of course, at What's Right Sam, both on Twitter and Instagram, at What's Right Show for the program, also in both places. We are not on TikTok, so deal with it. All right, friends, this hour brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law. This is the only firm to trust in Nevada or California for your personal injury case. Uh, Don't go at it alone. Get some help, folks. Trust me on this. Don't just go with what the adjuster tells you. Get help. Get legal advice and do the right thing. Now, uh, I'm going to just touch on this hurricane. We, We don't quite know full extent of everything went down in Florida, but uh, the hurricane apparently hit a little north of where it was expected to, kind of in the bend of Florida. Tallahassee uh, was hit. The governor's mansion apparently suffered a damage while DeSantis's family was inside. A hundred-year-old oak tree uh, fell on the house, was felled. I, this, um, all right, it's a hundred-year storm is how it's being described over there on the West Coast. Uh, so we're, we'll follow this, but, you know, nothing to report here as for right now. Hope everybody is safe in Florida and um, that they're able to recover quickly. Uh, some devastating losses already being suffered, uh, no doubt. Uh, I got I to gotta talk about some man-made disaster here that is affecting every single state in the country. Every single one. No one is untouched by this. And that is the catastrophe that the Biden administration has allowed to fester and develop in the southern, on the southern border. This is, I don't think we realize this uh, as much here um, in Nevada. Certainly, I think people in, you know, northern states don't really realize this. But, but the, the situation is so dire that... We have people in this country. We have no idea who they are. Just the other day, yesterday, news came out that the FBI took a break from going after Trump and his henchmen (laughs) to track migrants who apparently illegally entered, of course, illegally entered the U.S. uh, with the help of an ISIS-linked smuggler. More than a dozen Uzbek, that's from Uzbekistan, a former Soviet republic, more than a dozen Uzbek nationals uh, have gone missing. They went to the southern border. They had uh, some help from a coyote that apparently has smuggled other people in uh, that had uh, ties to ISIS before. So he, you know, he's on law enforcement's radar. And, uh, and now the, the officials getting caught with this news, having it released, said, well, we're working to identify and assess who these in- individuals are and where they are. But imagine looking for these people in the United States of America. This is a needle in a haystack. And you're asking for it to be done with a, uh, well, first off, uh, uh, Border Patrol agents working inside the territorial United States have their hands bound as to what they're able to do. The Biden administration prioritizing political correctness over your safety. 
makes it almost impossible for agents to do their job. And then comes the question with the problem uh, to begin with on the border, which we could, if we put our minds to it, secure. And it's not just about building a wall, although that certainly would help. It does not, it is of no help that Biden, you saw this no doubt in the news a few, uh, last week it came out that Biden uh, is selling off pieces of, auctioning off pieces of steel from Trump's border wall. They're dismantling the border wall. The idiocy of this is astounding. What will it take? Will it, will there need to be another September 11th? Will there need to be a major terrorist event? Remember, the FBI is too busy right now creating, well, fudging the books, I think is a better way of saying it. Fudging the books on domestic terror cases because they need domestic terror to boost their existence right now. They're on a mission to find white supremacist MAGA bogeymen. That's what they're doing. And so they're, we've talked about this before, there are a number of straightforward law enforcement matters that are simply turned into domestic terror cases because we have radical right-wing domestic terrorism. These are not my words, but those of Merrick the Magnificent Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, Chief Law Enforcement Officer, who, when not completely laser-like focused on getting all things Trump, takes time away from that to build a case against other tangentially uh, you know, related political opponents and painting anyone who engages even garden variety criminal activity as a right-wing radical. That way they can go and say to Congress, we need more money, we need to get the radicals, we need to do this. Of course, Republicans in Congress are now going to push back because that victory there was not part of the plan. But I don't know about you, I'm... <sighs> disconcerting know that we simply don't know who's in the country I always say this and and it kind of falls on deaf ears for people who've never traveled which by the way most uh, liberals you know okay maybe they've gone on to Encinitas or something they've gone down to Mexico but they haven't really thoroughly traveled to too many countries They don't understand how difficult it is to actually legally get into, well, I mean, any country in the world and how difficult it is to, I mean, if you put your mind to to try to get in illegally, I mean, it's it's not possible. There are countries that have very strict border uh, controls. I remember this, that's a side note, but it's, it's a humorous one. It involves human smuggling that I will confess to right here on the program. So I remember during COVID, my son, he, he, we decided it was, it was in the plans long before COVID came along, okay? But he was, he was set to go to the Czech Republic for one year, for his seventh grade year. So, so the wife and I, we send Daniel over to the Czech Republic and then the, the whole world loses its mind. And one of the, one of the resulting kind of consequences is that a number of countries around the world, including us here in the U.S., we, we closed our borders. Well, uh, here in the U.S., we closed our <laughs> we closed our border to to whom? To anybody entering legally. Of course, people are streaming across the border down south, no problem. But at any rate, 
we had to go see him, of course, because the kid's in a foreign country a whole year by himself. We, the least mom and dad can do and his sisters is come visit him, lift his spirits, and see him for Christmas. Well, hell's bells. Turns out, you know, I, well, I've got a, I've got, I, I have a European passport. My, my daughters, all my kids have, have their European passports. But uh, So we all got in fine because they can't deny us entry. We're EU citizens uh, in addition to being uh, American nationals. But, but, you know, but my wife couldn't get it. So we basically, I mean, yeah, I got all the paperwork. But you, you, technically she couldn't enter the country. So we, we found that we could fly into Germany where they would allow her as the spouse of an EU citizen to enter. And then we drove across the border in the Czech Republic and deliberately found a border crossing that we suspected would be unmanned. And, well, matter of fact, it was. So that's my personal experience with this. But, I mean, listen, but it's not, e- it's not easy. You still had to make it into Germany. You still had to make it into the Schengen zone, which is the, you know, visaless travel in, the, in, in Europe. And here we're just letting thousands of people a day cross the border. Since Biden took office, 5.8 million suspected illegal crossings at our southern border. At least... 1.6 million illegal immigrants have evaded apprehension. And that's according to the Border Patrol, right? This isn't, you know, some right-wing think tank. The Border Patrol saying we probably have lost 1.6 million people, don't even know where they, who they are. And what are the chances that one of them, right, or 10 of them, or 300 of them are up to no good as we speak? I think the chances of that are pretty high. And this all comes down to the damn cartels. It comes down to this fentanyl problem. And I am sick and tired of hearing from politicians that we need to do something about fentanyl. Gosh damn it, close the border. How hard is this? We all know what needs to happen. But now we just have to get it done. I'll tell you where my vote is going. I'm go- my vote is going in November of 24. And certainly in the in the primaries here uh, coming up, I, my votes, my vote are, are my vote is going to the, the, any candidate who I am most confident will take care of this. I don't care if we have to send in the gosh damn military. We got to close the border. And every one of you listening to me knows instinctively knows this is doable. We can we're this. We're Americans. We can do this. Yeah, maybe. Two years, we won't be able to with the way things are going in the military. But anyway, I have faith. But this has to happen, and it comes from the top, from political will to make it happen. And mark my words, needs to happen or we won't have a country anymore. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury law in a crash? Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome back. Sam Marjofsky here, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. Yes, that's me. This hour brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Friends, so this uh, news this week that the FBI is 
scanning the country, scrambling to track some migrants that cross the border with the help of an ISIS-linked smuggler, two dozen Uzbek nationals. Just conversing here with producer Robbie during the break. Producer Robbie, of course, as you may or may not know, uh, served bravely our country in Afghanistan. Uh, spent more time there probably than he would have liked. Is that fair? Can I say that? <laughs> well, you okay. Uh, you were there, Robbie, and you know, by the way, you know, and you're just telling me how, I mean, the, the, there's a very porous border and, a, and, a, and, a, and not necessarily a well-defined border between uh, Afghanistan up there in the north and, and Uzbekistan. And this is like where Turkmenistan comes together, Tajikistan. So you've got all this. This is, I mean, these are not great people. I don't want to to get into trouble with saying, Trump, of course, you can't say that it's from an S-hole country because then all hell breaks loose. But it's not from a good place. And the real point is that Immigration is okay. In fact, immigration is desirable, but it needs to be through the front door. I'm very, I'm very apprehensive of about the, of the zero immigration crowd. I know they're out there, but we need look. We we need good immigrants. Look around you. We all know some. Even if you don't particularly like me, I suppose you know I wouldn't be here if it were not for an open door that allowed my parents to come to this country. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And, and my gosh, I, I am as proudly American, and I bleed red, white, and blue as I, as I possibly can. But listen, it's, it's, it's disconcerting, to say the least, that you have folks crossing into the country who have not been tracked, who have not been you know, tested, uh, you know, background checked, Tested. Remember when they every person flying into the country for COVID had to have a test and had to have a had to have a a, a vaccine. And at the same time, you know, Biden didn't care one bit that there were thousands of people every day who 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 literally are, I mean, by definition of the journey that they just went through, filthy as all hell, disease ridden, no doubt. Again, not be, not because of who's there, but they were all they're all. They're all, some of them cooped up in, in trucks for extended periods. I mean, there's no social distancing going on, you know, in the coyote, you know, human trafficking business, okay? They don't, they don't respect the six feet of separation. They were harassing all of us anytime we got into an airport. Oh, Mr. Murjofsky, will you put your mask on, please, sir? Excuse me, mask, mask, mask. Meanwhile, these, th- th- this, this, People are being are, are are flooding into the country in the south, and 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 again because it is a political uh, it's target. It's a part of the political plan for the Democrats to, to have an open border, uh, to flood the country with cheap labor. Remember, this is, I mean. It, this is where the Democratic Party and the, and the Chamber of Commerce go hand in hand. But this is the dirty secret of the link between establishment Republicans and Democrats. They agree on this topic. They just lie to everybody nonstop. The Republicans lie and they say, we want a closed border. 
and they send out their emails and, and we all dutifully over the years have sent, here's our $10, here's our $50. You go, Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, today had another 30-second, you know, brain f- 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 freeze. Uh, it, was, it was not good, okay? He's, he's got, got a neurological problem going on, no doubt, and may well result in his days being numbered. Uh, politically speaking, so we'll, we'll see how that happens. But of course, you know, Dianne Feinstein's in there. They're wheeling her in. She's not even making her own votes. They're whispering what votes to make. So, you know, if it's good for the Democrats to do that, they they ran Fetterman. And Fetterman's brain. But anyway, Mitch McConnell, Republicans, all the establishment types, every election, every cycle, every four years, every two years, every six, send out the emails. We're going to secure the border. And then what? They turn around. And, and it's amnesty galore. And why? Because big business, right? Big business wants cheap labor. And the way you drive, drive down labor costs is you flood the market with labor supply. Back to basic economics. Most political problems, by the way, can be, can be I don't want to be reductive, but can, can be can, can be brought down to the essential root of some economic principle because economic principles ultimately govern our, our behaviors, right? And our behaviors uh, dictate what outcomes you get as a, as a consequence of certain policies. So this is, all very, this is all very important stuff. And they know this. So the Republicans just would, would lie to us for years and then turn around and say, well, Voters, up to a little amnesty, you know, ain't no thing but a chicken wing, right? And 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 we just forgive and forget and t- and take it over and over again. And it's this abuse of us, the electorate, of us, the conservative Republican electorate, that has us infuriated with the establishment Republican Party, right? You want to know the the birthplace of Trump? All of these disgusting, vile Republican politicians, I include in this, of course, Mike Pence, Mr. Decency himself, he's part of the problem. He is the reason why we have Trump. Trump has come along to be a wrecking ball because we Republicans simply have had it. Who wants to be gaslit in a long-term relationship? Not me. And certainly not you. We don't put up with this. So I don't, you know, I, 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 love when, I love when Pence turns around, or people like Pence, turn around with such indignation at us, the rubes, who voted for Trump. And you can almost, you can, you, he, they say it out loud. And they say, well, what you, why are you, it's, it's, I just can't believe that we voted for Trump. This is part of the problem and everything is civility and decency. <laughs> decency. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe if you didn't lie to us for 40 years about immigration, meaning you, the establishment Republicans, didn't lie to us, the voters, about it, maybe a guy like Trump never would have gotten elected because we wouldn't have needed him. But we are done getting abused. And that is why this election will matter in a, in a huge way because we can't just get a Republican in to beat Biden. We, of course we have to beat Biden. Of course there has to be a Republican, but this Republican has to be committed to doing something, to action on the southern border. It's a must. 
All right, bottom of the hour here. I, there's an interview that Bill Barr sat down a couple months ago with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. A couple of gems on this topic I want to share with you. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Welcome, folks, to the What's Right Show, your place for common sense. Conservatism, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., Sam and Ash Injury Law sponsors this program. Great firm, the only firm to trust in Nevada and California. 702-820-1234, headquartered right here in beautiful downtown Las Vegas. All right. Sam Rajovsky, yes, here behind the What's Right Show microphone. The No Labels Party is prepping its playbook. I need to mention this quickly before we get sidetracked. I... This is one of the groups that is looking to initiate a third-party potential bid for the presidency in 24. Joe Manchin, Democrat, West Virginia, who might be, you know, one of the more conservative, uh, I guess, conservative Democrats in certainly in the Senate, but possibly in Washington. He is well, – he got in a little get-together. I, I, we, we talked about this back in July. Him and John Huntsman, who – well, he's a, he's a former uh, Utah governor. But Huntsman's sort of a, a – he's a Romney-type character, right? So, so these are two, these are two uh, guys that are probably have you – know, agree on virtually everything. They got together, and they held a little forum on this. By the way, they called it common sense, too. Now, when I say this program is common sense, I don't mean that I meet people in the middle just to get along. I mean that there are certain undeniably true and correct principles that cannot be denied, right? There are just there are self-evident truths. This is why I frequently talk about rules of economics, because... It's like gravity. You know, I, I've, got a, I've got this pen here, my stack of stuff. Look what – I know it's radio, but bear with me. I take this pen. You may not even hear this. This microphone is not that sensitive. But I drop this pen. Oh, look. It fell down on top of my paper. <laughs> I know. It. It, it would be a shocker because if, if Democrats applied their same thinking – to physics uh, that they apply to the rules of economics, uh, this this pen would be up on the ceiling somewhere, maybe stuck to the wall, uh, or who knows, may have just disappeared altogether into thin air. That's what I mean by common sense. But anyway, this no 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 labels uh, playbook. Uh, you know, th- this is the biggest X factor for twenty four, because if we have a third party candidate that that detracts or takes votes from the center-left, then this virtually guarantees a Republican win. I would say almost regardless of who the candidate is. Biden is wildly unpopular. You saw the 70, excuse me, 60-something-odd percent of Democrats believe he is too old to run for a second term. 
that's significant. Two-thirds. And then uh, among, I think, the general election Republicans, Democrats, Independents, it's something like 75. I'm not surprised by that at all. I mean, by the way, so who's the 25% that thinks he's, he's just great to go in there for another two years? I know. I'll answer that. The people that are very comfortable with him being a figurehead and letting all of the liberal radicals that are the actual powers that be in the Biden administration run amok. You know, you talk to some Democrats, they'll tell you they're they're wildly satisfied with, with Joe Biden as president because they're getting everything that they want. <laughs> Wrap your heads around that, I know. But regular rank and fire, file people, uh, those of us here who are trying to make, make a living and that, you know, go to the pump like I did the other day and, you know, had to kind of put my eyeballs back in as I saw, as I saw, (laughs) as I I saw my kid's college fund draining into the tank of my environmentally unfriendly V8. Um, To the extent that there allegedly is a hole in the ozone, I'm probably somewhat responsible for that at any rate. So the no labels uh, uh, party's planning something and Cornell West Yesterday slammed the. You know who Cornell West is? He's a he's older guy. He's a professor of uh, in New York. He's um, well. He he is a very left wing guy. Uh, so he would be a challenger from the left left, and he has spoken out about. He's saying the Democratic Party is beyond redemption because it's unable to meet the needs of poor people and working people. So if you did a if you did a diagram of some some some, some uh, overlap here, Cornell West is is well think of him as sort of the black Bernie Sanders. So he would get the the BLM people. He'd get uh, he'd get all all those. He'd get the CRT people, and he'd get the Bernie voters. And then you know if gosh forbid if RFK you know Junior or or Mansion run third part. I mean another third party that would. Oh, that would uh, what's what would be left of Joe Biden's electorate? Twenty five people. It's just fascinating stuff. So when I say this is the X factor, it, it really is. Now I wanted to get to this before we run out of time. I need to get to this uh, YouTube. I found it on YouTube. This is a, a, a podcast video four months ago. Not that many views, considering how uh, I, how important this is, and I missed this completely. And I have to give credit to my father for sending this to me. Yesterday, so I, I I went ahead and watched the whole thing. It's hour and eleven minutes. A fascinating sit down between Vivek Ramaswamy. This is early Vivek, right at the very onset of him. In April, did he already declare, Robbie? Right around then, he was declaring. So this might, may have been, you know, he may have uh, he may, he may have just barely uh, declared himself a candidate. But he sat down, did a podcast with former Attorney General Bill Barr. Oh, he declared in twenty on the twenty first of February. Okay, all right, there you go. So this was about two months after he declared his candidacy. There we go. I want to be accurate. Well, anyway, the topic of securing the southern border came up. In particular, the role that the cartels play in both narco- well, we'll say narcotics generally, and the subset under that that we care about right now is fentanyl because it's killing a hundred thousand Americans. Right, 
Every, every time we blink, there's, there's, I mean, you know, the numbers are staggering. 100,000 Americans a year. It's staggering. And, and, and they're also participating, and it's, it dovetails into the human trafficking operation, particularly of people that, are, that can afford to pay. So Chinese nationals, big group, right? In 2000, yeah, so 17,000, by the way, this is a, this is a, this is a stan, astonishing statistic, 17, 17 almost 18,000 illegal migrant encounters of Chinese nationals between October and July of, 2000, of 22 uh, compared to uh, less than 2,000 all the fiscal year of uh, before. So those are just encounters. Those are the people that they, that they contact, that they come into contact with. It's astonishing. And those people are paying to come across, and the cartels are providing this. So they're talking about the cartels, Barr and Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, Bill Barr. Let's talk about Bill Barr for a moment because I need to, um, I need, I need to say something about Bill Barr. Uh, Bill Barr is, um, I know many people who including myself, who are fans of Trump, who are maybe not necessarily huge fans of Bill Barr. Setting that aside, Bill Barr is a phenomenally knowledgeable person on the Constitution. He is exceedingly bright. Okay, This is not a Merrick Garland. This is not a – Bill Barr is not a, um, a Bob Mueller or a James Comey. Bill Barr is a, is a profoundly intellectual lawyer – constitutional scholar even I'll go that far and he has a he has a high level knowledge of the of the functioning the constitution, constitutional functioning of the, of the US government and in this sit down in this hour and 11 minutes you basically see Vivek Ramaswamy you know months ago picking at the brain of Bill Barr of how the government works figuring out what he could do if elected and he's getting at this thing about about go, uh, fixing the border and fixing the cartels for once, for, you know, because this is, by the way, this is a thirteen billion a year smuggling operation, right? That's just the the human smuggling, thirteen billion a year. The fentanyl and all the drugs on top of it. That that's that's those are tens, hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, but thirteen billion a year just on human smuggling. So how do you crack that? And what, what Vivek Ramaswamy is doing, he's asking him, like, how do we use the military? Now, something interesting came up because actually Barr gives a, an explanation of how you could do that. He talks about how you, you basically you give it to the you know, Mexican authorities as an ultimatum. You, you, can't, you can't give an inch. You just got to say this is what we're going to do. And he talks about how they tried to do it, but then COVID came along and ruined everything. And he gives a, he gives a great – uh, actually, a, th- a thumbs up to Trump, calling him a problem solver because he goes back to because he was AG under George H. W. Bush, and H. W. Bush, of course, they they he, one thing he says, Barr says, is you know there were all these discussions and panels and and committees. Barr says it was the usual crap. You had thirty five agencies involved at coordination meetings and all that stuff. This is the old Republican way of doing it. They never get to the essence of the problem, Barr says. And then what's the strategy? There is no strategy. Everything kind of falls. And Vivek asks him, so where did Trump fall on that spectrum? 
which is a great question. Turns out Trump was, and we know this, Trump was different. So Trump was much more of the type, let's solve the problem. That's my sense. Yeah. yeah. And so in discussing, in discussing the, uh, the, the drug issue with him, he said something that I give him a lot of credit for, and it's one of his good qualities. You know, I said, look, it's gotten to the point and the size that this cannot be solved with long, you know going down and arresting people and putting them on trial one by one you know be, you know bringing them into the United States and trying them this is more of a national security threat these are terrorist groups and he said well let's deal with it that's why we're here if we don't do it who's going to do it let's you know stop kicking the can down the road and that was his attitude and i give him credit for that and i think we would have but for covid i think we would have collected a lot of intelligence, and in a second term, we would have taken more definitive action. So you think that actually Trump and broadly you guys in the administration really were on track to potentially follow through and use military force, maybe after a year of intelligence groundwork like Right. Yes. I think that would have happened. See, and this is critical. Now, we come back, what actually happened, and where is the Trump disconnect? Because we can't in... uh, We... Trump deserves an enormous amount of credit, but we also have to be critical of him and his failings. Yes, you can explain it away by saying, well, acknowledging that there was an enormous political headwind at all times. No doubt about that. Criminal investigations, impeachment proceedings, all of this stuff, a deliberate effort by Democrats to undermine Trump as president, to obstruct his presidency. Yes to all of that. That's going to happen again, right? I mean, if Trump gets reelected, all of the, you think they're just going to go lay down and say, all right, oh, we tried everything. We're just going home now. That's delusional thinking, okay? We can't, we, we can't engage in that. We are Republicans. We are common sense people. We, are, we have our heads screwed on straight. We can't do that. So it's the same stuff's going to happen. So he gets at the point here, and, and this, is, this is my big question about Trump, right? Does he have the discipline to get it done? Because when it comes to the border, it has to get done, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. And the power of the presidency, the executive power that the president holds is enormous. We see that with Biden. So I'll explain this uh, when we return what I think uh, I, what I think the issue is here when, uh, when we come back. Sam Marjofsky, News Talk 840, KXNT. Great to have you with us. Be back in a moment. Don't go anywhere. All right, friends, great to be here with you. Sam Rajofsky, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian truth teller, lawyer, and all-around great guy. Welcome back to the What's Right Show. So I this sit-down here with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who now, uh, since this uh, interview was conducted between, when he sat down with Bill Barr uh, in April of this year, Vivek has now, I think, where is he at? Nine, nine to ten points rising in the polls. Certainly, uh, in some ways, in terms of momentum, second to Trump. Right? All of the Republicans, I know, I know, the Daily Beast thinks it's Nikki Haley is the one to watch out for. The Daily Beast hasn't been right about anything, ever. So, we laughed at it yesterday when we saw it, and we're going to laugh at it again today. But at any rate, Vivek sat down and had this in-depth conversation with Bill Barr. And, you know, the diehard Trump people are, are will dismiss this and not even look at 
it and evaluate it for anything simply because of who Bill Barr is and what he did. Meaning he didn't stand up for Trump and he testified against him. He didn't think that there was any provable election interference. There was no evidence. Gave him advice to that effect and, and, and Trump fired him and that was that. That's the Bill Barr saga. It doesn't change the fact for me that if somebody has something interesting to say, I will listen to it. Even, by the way, even if there are people that I profoundly disagree with. And here, this conversation, this interview is phenomenal. Now, it shows a couple of things. One, Bill Barr really understands the Constitution, understands how these things work, and has served in a number of positions in D.C. for a number of years. So he's got some insights. It's interesting to hear. He also uh, served in the uh, Trump administration at a critical time, and they did some good things. Now, what I am hearing in some of this here uh, is also, though, and this is, this is what's, I don't know, this is the thing that I really liked about it, is what you see is a guy like Vivek sitting down with somebody who is, who knows more than him on some of these topics, and asking him questions and he's writing things down i've never seen this you ever seen a trump sit down like right you know and i know trump's a macho guy so he doesn't write anything down um but DeSantis or anybody taking notes learning you know vivek is sponging all this stuff up and and it's and he's picking through it and picking what he wants you can hear him eliciting responses and pushing back and that's what happens when they're talking about the cartels. This is, this is the part that's critically important to me. Because remember, I'm sitting over here and I'm like, who is going to secure the border? Who's going to take out the cartels? Who's going to do this? Who isn't going to be afraid to pussyfoot around and, and actually just take the military, take the full extent of law enforcement, National Guard, and, and take care of this problem once and for all? So he asks, Vivek asks, so you're saying COVID, if COVID hadn't happened, would you guys have been able to do something about this? And Barr responds with this. I mean, that was one of Trump's strengths. He had other issues relating to his ability to actually carry out things in, mm -hmm. a, in a coherent way. He would sometimes go for the grand gesture that would win him political approval from his base. You know, he wants, it's, it's almost like a- Well, this can coincide here though, because yeah. this I think would have broad approval from the base and actually solve right. the problem. But sometimes sometimes he would be willing not to follow through and actually solve the problem. It would be, look, I already did that. I got credit for doing something here. And say, yeah, but it's not That's enough. not the metric of success. Yeah. Maybe we're running a campaign it is. Yeah. Now right. I see this from professional politicians all the time. Right. I was pointing out some issues in Ron DeSantis's fight against woke capitalism in Florida. One of the problems with our system, it's not specific even to Ron DeSantis or any other individual, is that when you're in elected office and you, you're up for a reelection, you're rewarded by the surge of media wave and voter response more right. than you are in actually seeing Substance, the thing yeah. through, right. actually. That's exactly right. This is interesting. And we know this, right? And this happens on the right and left. This is not a problem that is unique to Trump. Barr and he's not his first time saying this, was always critical that Trump would say things and promise things and that his there was no there there. And by the way, Barr, in that sense, you know, is as disenchanted by Trump as many other stalwart conservatives, some of Trump's biggest supporters. I know this. So then Vivek says, well, the problem is 
the pattern is I can say the same thing with the Mexican counterpart, the Mexican politicians. They promised to do something about this. They went on that promise and then just fold, right? And he goes, we can't do that. We've got to go in and we've got to complete this and get it done. Essential. So I am, you know, I'm telling you, I, uh, oh, by the way, Trump, uh, Trump said something. Uh, he, he was asked directly by Glenn Beck if he'd consider Vivek to be his vice president. Do you catch this? Okay, I'll, I'll play what he said for you when we come back. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Brought to you by Sam and Ash, Injury Law. Be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, proudly serving you Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m., here uh, in the Sam and Ash studios, downtown Las Vegas. Uh, folks, um, I wanted, I, I, I've had the story here in my stack of stuff for well over a week. And I want to talk about it because it, it's, um, I don't want to get all scientific and into Darwinism, but here you go a story from Maui. Maui residents who disobeyed barricades survived the fires. Those, and this is according to the Associated Press, those who disobeyed the barricaded road closures during the Maui fires survived the disaster. While many of those who heeded orders to turn around perished in their cars and homes with no way out. If you want to be a government-obedient lemming, do so at your own peril. My wife and I frequently tell our kids, well, not frequently, every, every couple months or so, we smile a little bit and say, you kids don't know how lucky it is for you that your mom and dad are such anti-authoritarian reprobates. You didn't get vaccinated. All your friends did, or most of your friends did. Their parents all rushed and got them jabbed and jabbed again. Who knows what's going to, I mean, who knows what the effects of it will be. We're starting to see some of that. It pays to be skeptical, particularly when we are living in a world that is run by people that want to do us harm. And even those that don't want to overtly and expressly do us harm, they are willing to sacrifice us at the altar of their political ideology. There's no doubt about that. We know this. And we know it because, well, for example, when we're speaking of Maui, water conservation, the sanctity of the holy water that was up the hill in the reservoir was more important than people burning to death down below. The water czar there who was appointed to his position has a long track record of making such ridiculous pronouncements about the sanctity of water. And everybody was like, oh, you're so wonderful. And everybody applauded. And the people that put him in that position got elected and reelected. And then when it came down to it and the fire was raging, it took him five hours to release the water. 
to increase a water allotment for the landowners, property owners down in Lahaina. Who knows what lives that could have saved. Uh, but, but again, I mean, you, you, you got to question everything now. You've got to run it through your own common sense filter. I mean, the, the mask mandates were ridiculous. I, every opportunity I had to not comply with the mask mandate, I did. It was, you know, the game Frogger. Uh, so I'm dating myself. Yes, I know. You, you, well, the point is you're a little, you know, frog crossing the road in different places and you're avoiding all these t- incoming targets. That's how I felt in airports. That's how I felt in casinos. I didn't care. And I wanted people to see that I didn't care. I wasn't about to get blacklisted and, and put on a you know no fly list, so I I had to do what I you know keep it on. But it, you know poked my nose holes out as much as I could. And now it's turning out that all of us that were anti-mask were right. That wearing these things, ridiculous rags on our faces for extended periods of time, did a lot of harm. Does a lot of harm. They're not meant to be worn twenty four seven. They're not meant to be worn hours at a time. It's not healthy. And it did precious little to spread to, to 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 slow the spread. It's a sad story, but again, it's important to be to be skeptical, and it's important to have the. Okay, it's important to have instincts that are anti-authoritarian as a general rule. Look at the little boy we talked about yesterday. Comes to school with his backpack. The backpack has on it. The Marsden flag, a Gazan flag, excuse me, has the uh, don't tread on me emblem. The principal calls uh, son and, 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 and mother in and says, well, you know, we, this is right, right, racist stuff. And the boy is like, no, I, I'm, I'm going to I want to wear this. And he's winning the fight, by the way. That's the update. It's beautiful. How many people, when pressed to do something to comply with these, I mean, fascist authorities that we have, these uh, yes, liberal fascist authorities. I have a question: How many of how many people just fold and say oh, it's not worth the it's not worth the fight? I have a friend who I had the pleasure of representing here in Las Vegas who had a uh, "Let's Go Brandon" sign in his neighborhood, and you'll never find a a, a, a more enthusiastic group of fascists anywhere than you will uh, on a uh, HOA board. I mean, this is a, a fact of life. And so the, the realtor lady there that runs that HOA board, a devout leftist, says, you can't have that sign up here. And they began fining him. Well, boy, they, they, they changed their tune. You have, to, you have to fight back. You can't just take the stuff lay, lay, you know, laying down. If we all just said no to it, 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 what could they do? There'd be nothing for them to do except... Get out of our way. So to the extent that any of this, these rumblings that COVID restrictions to some extent are returning, I mean, uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I imagine, right, I imagine that some airlines will take a stand and say, no, we're not doing it. We're not going back to that. Sorry. You can, you can take your federal mask order and shove it. I could see an airline doing that, particularly maybe Southwest. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they did. They 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 jumped on board. I'm telling you though, it's a different world today than it was three years ago. 
But whichever airline it is that is the first to most strongly and emphatically raise both middle fingers in the direction of the Biden administration, that's the airline that has my business for the, for the rest of, of my life, okay? We can vote with our pocketbooks. We can vote with our feet. We can, we, we can make a difference. And yeah, so I'm... I am I am sick and tired of this. All right, we got to take a quick break early because I, I want to get to this. Trump is opining about the likelihood of him choosing Vivek Ramaswamy to be his vice president. Yes, I'll tell you what he said. We'll come back and I'll, I'll get to it. I promise. Sam Rajofsky here, News Talk 840, KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Welcome, friends. Sam Rajofsky here, host of What's Right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. So uh, Trump gets asked uh, just, uh, when was this, Producer Robbie? When did this all go down? Early this morning? No. When was this? When was this clip? I'm looking. I'm looking. I had it here. Well, he gets, Trump gets asked about the likelihood of uh, of him picking Vivek Ramaswamy. And this is, this is, of course, a question that I think is on everybody's mind. This was yesterday. All right. You said today? All right. Fine, today. Glenn Beck, he asked Trump if he'd consider Ramaswamy. This is what Trump says, uh, and it's, um, well, listen to this. Uh, he's a young guy. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very, very, uh, a very intelligent person. He's got good energy, and he he could be in some form of something. I tell you, I think he'd be very good. I think mm. he's very good. I think he's really distinguished himself. He's starting to get out there a little bit. He's a little bit getting a little bit controversial. I got to tell him be a little bit careful because <laughs> some things some things you have to hold in just a little bit, right? But yeah. he's, uh, he's got a lot of good energy. I will tell you, and he's he's. Uh, He's been very nice to me. <laughs> Can you imagine Trump saying to somebody else that they've become a little controversial? Does he mean, he probably means the comments that we've been covering here where Vivek said that, well, Ayanna Presley and all these race-baiting Democrats, that they're the new grand wizards. They're the grand wizards of the new KKK. I think that's roughly what he said. All right, controversial, yeah. But he, but it's it's this is this is praise, no. Now one of the things that Trump and part of this goes on to say, he says, well, and he's you know he praised me as one of the best, best presidents in a generation, one of the best, you know, best of the best. I mean, this is, I don't have the whole clip here, but yeah, Trump fixated on all of the nice things that Vivek is saying about him. You know, it's it's almost incredible to me, and I have to say this, it's not a it's not a complete thought, but it just keeps popping into my head. So I, I I'm gonna share it with you here and, and, and it'll it'll evolve and develop as time goes on. So forgive me. It's pretty raw, but I have to tell you, it it strikes me that Vivek Ramaswamy is absolutely conducting the most brilliant campaign against Trump that you possibly could that you could possibly conduct 
in the sense that he has positioned himself both as a defender of Trump. There's no doubt that he is to the extent that Trump can't hit him because Vivek is such an outspoken. Um, well, he's such an outspoken critic of anybody that goes after after Trump and rightly so. Right. I mean, it's it's all of Vivek Ramaswamy's points about Trump and about the prosecutions and about the way he was treated while he was in office. All of this is extremely on point. And it's true. So it wins both on on on, you know, veracity on truth, but it also also certainly wins in, in on strategy in the sense that this is all to to somebody like Trump who is uh, very keen on being respected, who has an ego, no doubt, right? A large ego that he, you know, it's part of his persona. So he's, he's, yes, he's, he's uh, flattering Trump, but he's doing it truthfully and, and, and it comes across very authentic. But at the same time, and this is the, this is the critical part, at the same time, Ramaswamy is staking out more MAGA positions and more, we'll call it war on woke positions than honestly either Trump or, or, or DeSantis. And DeSantis, by the way, is getting bogged down in, 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 in abortion land, okay? He's, he's trying to out conservative the conservatives on abortion. Meanwhile, he's gotten bogged down in an actual real legal fight with Disney, which, you know, I mean, I liked it insofar as it was a winning strategy. But one thing I'll tell you, I, you know, certainly Disney, did, it seems, did enough of an end run around DeSantis that now DeSantis is, is publicly saying that he wants the whole thing to just go away. So now some of the shine of, of a guy like DeSantis who comes out and saying, I can get things done and here's what I'm doing and I'm actually, you know, making steps. I mean, if he's not getting good advice on effectuating that, then that's a problem. And, and at the same time, is it really the top issue? Now, the stuff in the school certainly is and that he's been successful on. But Ramaswamy's taking all of that away from him and he's able to articulate it in a far more engaging way. He's gone, I mean, the, the ratio of, of appearances, of media appearances that, that Ramaswamy has done versus DeSantis is, is staggering. And why am I talking about DeSantis in a conversation about Vivek and Trump? Very, very simple. There's a reason for it. Because DeSantis ran against Trump and almost instantly, right, right out of the gate, messed it up and i told you the day that he messed it up i told you i told you, it was the day that the very first document indictment came down and ramaswamy ran out there in front of the courthouse the day it happened he literally made himself part of the story and went out there and became trump's most vocal defender and I have said this here from the beginning. I told you that DeSantis needed to be a far stronger defender of Trump. He can't just shrug the way he did this last time after Fulton County came down and say, well, I'm here in the field. Well, Senator, I mean, Governor, you're here in the field of dreams, uh, you know, kind of big just position here of, of you on the screen, you know, split screen between, you know, you here in the field of dreams in Iowa with your beautiful family and, and a former president. Donald J. Trump's mugshot just released. 
And what is what is, what does DeSantis do? It's almost as if he's looked in the book for the worst possible thing to say and said, mm, yep, that's what I'm going to do. And, he, well, you know, he said, I, I, I'll tell you, it's good to be here in the field of dreams. Mm-hmm. We as conservative Republicans know, we instinctively know that this fight is bigger than just Trump. What they're doing to Trump is what they would do to any one of us that were we as successful as Trump has been to date in fighting the deep state. If we pose any one of us as significant of an existential threat to the permanent bureaucratic class in this country, then they would come after us just the same way. In fact, in fact, for every Republican that thinks that Trump got into this of his own doing, now I'm certainly think a few things he could have done a little bit smarter to avoid some of this stuff. I think he underestimated the risk to him. Yes, but anybody who thinks that it's of his own doing and that this is a legitimate prosecution, for example, is foreclosing the possibility in the future that we will have someone like Trump come along and bravely stick their, you know, finger and, you know, poke the eye of the behemoth of this out-of-control federal government ever again. We're all going to think twice about it. We're going to look at Trump and go, that guy, look what happened to him. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play ball. Speaking of the cartels at the border, which is where we started our discussion this morning, this morning, my gosh, my day is going this afternoon. Speaking of the cartels, it's almost no different than the presidents that run for, for office in Mexico, right? They all come in there and say, we're going to do something about the cartels. We're going to do something about the, yeah, of course, of course. And then they don't do anything because why? They do something about the cartels. They're dead. Their family members are dead. It's over. Their days are numbered. That's why we as Republicans have to fight against this. And this is what Vivek has done so brilliantly. I don't, it, whether you think he's a plant or he's, he's the real deal doesn't really matter. I'm talking about just raw strategy that I, that, and this is an observable, verifiable fact. He has out DeSantis, DeSantis, and he's actually in some ways out trumping Trump. And Trump doesn't know what to do with it. And this response really, well, he's a, he's a great guy, a little controversial. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he'd be good in some capacity, whatever. Do I think, that's the question, do I think that Trump, uh, you know, being what seems now like the likely nominee, would he pick Vivek Ramaswamy? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sure. And I'll tell you why I'm not sure, Robbie. Um, um, I am not certain because I know many years ago I saw an interview with Trump. This is way before he became president. And somebody was asking him, you know, do you, do you, you know, people that you hire in the Trump organization, do you hire like the best of the best? He goes, yeah, sure. They go, well, what do you mean? Yeah, sure. And Trump goes, well, you know, I mean, people say, you know, hire people that are smarter than you, but you don't want that, really. 
You want people, and we could find this clip, by the way. I'm sure it's somewhere in the, in either. You said, where, you said, you said, I don't want to hire people smarter than me. I, I want to be the smartest person in the room. And I'm telling you, eventually what will happen here is, is Ramaswamy is going to get more success and there's going to start to be some hostility. And Vivek will downplay it. He'll, he'll, he'll be, you know, gotta, Trump's got to be very careful with this guy. See, he, he can, he, he can have, and, and I'll tell you the other thing is I don't think Trump will want to share the stage with him because there is a lot of ton of talent. He is very articulate. He is mega intelligent. Would he make a great vice president under Trump? Absolutely. From what I see, I would, I mean, that, that ticket would be dynamite. Will it happen? I have my doubts. Sam Marjofsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Be back in a moment, folks. Don't go anywhere. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Welcome, friends, to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host. News Talk 840 KXNT. Oh, it's crazy out there. The roads are wild. Drivers changing lanes as recklessly as some change their genders. <laughs> well, that's true, actually. Um, as abruptly, certainly. And so what do you do if you get hit? What do you do particularly in a sideswipe type accident where uh, perhaps it's a he said, she said situation and they're claiming that you change lanes, right? Even a simple rear-end accident doesn't have to be straightforward. In fact, it rarely is when it comes to insurance companies. They want to complicate things, delay, and deny you what's rightfully yours. It's not right. It's not fair. It's not constitutional. You need representation. But you don't want to go to just any lawyer. You don't want to end up with a Michael Avenatti type. You know, so try Sam and Ash Injury Law. Give them a call. Find out what the difference is. Do it today. If you or a loved one have been in an accident today, yesterday, last month, this year, you haven't gotten advice, pick up the phone. Don't wait. 702-820-1234. Get legal advice from your lawyers, your team, Sam and Ash Injury Law. You deserve what's right. Call them now and get some help. All right, Sam Rajovsky here mentioned earlier about this Trump and Vivek thing. Somebody here emailed me over the break. By the way, Sam at SamAndAshLaw.com is the email address. Emailed me during the uh, uh, break here and said, well, well, you know, it's the Republican Party. It's a mess. It's a mess. No, it's not. You in a mess. Look at the Democrat Party. My gosh. We, there is so much disagreement and tension. And I mentioned the Cornell West piece here. It's a uh, Let's see, Melissa Koenig writing for uh, the New York Post. Far-left presidential hopeful Cornell West slammed the Democratic Party on Tuesday as, beyond, as being beyond redemption, right? And then he said, yeah, well, he, he, I'll play you the clip, by the way, what he said about Bernie. The reason this is relevant is that Cornell West is openly talking about a third-party bid. And that would take away votes from Biden because, of course, no Republicans are voting for the crazy Bernie wing of the party. And Cornell West is basically a, well, he's a 
a racialist version of, of Bernie Sanders. So here is what uh, Cornell West, this is August 7th at, a, at the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne. This is what he said. I love the brother, and, and, and you know, you, even in love, people have deep disagreements about these things. But I think, again, he's, he's fearful of the neo-fascism of Trump. People look at Biden, they don't really want to tell the full truth. He's created the best economy that we can get. Is this the best that we can get? You're going to tell that lie to the people just for Biden to win? Yeah, this is it. He's he's talking about a third-party ring because, because he's, he's mad right now. Cornell West, who is ideologically essentially a duplicate of Bernie Sanders, he's mad that Sanders is supporting and backing Biden. And he's saying... How can you do that in good conscience? In other words, it's better to run third party on principle rather than holding your nose, I guess, and going to the polls and, 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 and casting your vote for Biden. This is, by the way, not an unusual position in the, in the Democratic Party, both on the extreme left and on, in the middle, in the, in the center left part of the party. Now, Bernie Sanders on Sunday responded to Cornell West's criticism of the endorsement on CNN's State of the Union with Dana Bash. Have a listen. This certainly is not the best economy that we can create. That was what my speech was about. We've got to join the rest of the industrialized world, guarantee health care at all. We've got to cut the cost of prescription drugs uh, in half. We've got to raise the minimum wage to at least 17 bucks an hour. We've got to build the affordable housing we desperately need. But where I disagree with my good friend, uh, Cornell West, is I think in these really very difficult times where there is a real question whether democracy is going to <laughs> remain in the United States of America. You know, Donald Trump is not somebody who believes in, in democracy. <laughs> I love two communists arguing with each other about the meanings of democracy. This is fabulous. So yesterday then, Cornell West said this on the hills rising. This is where some of his comments about the Democratic Party being broken. Now you'll understand better the context of it all. The Democratic Party has no fundamental intention of speaking to the needs of poor people and working people. They are dominated by their corporate wing. They're dominated by the militarists when it comes to foreign policy. And that he and AOC and the others are going to be in a certain sense window dressing at worst and at best people to appeal to every four years but the democratic party is beyond redemption at this point yeah yeah okay that's now you know the context so there is a word but and cornell west has a huge following make no mistake about it now what is a bernie sanders by the way when he's saying that trump is a you know because this is a threat to democracy every time no, it's not going to be a drinking game. <laughs> Every time you hear a lib say that Trump is a threat to democracy, just substitute the word democracy with the deep state. That's what they mean. When they talk about democracy, they talk about the system as they know it. Of course, it's a you, you can dismiss bernie sanders as being deeply unserious and you can say well he's just he's just a, a bloviator 
Well, he's not just a bloviator. I mean, of course, you've got to you got to understand there's some there's something there that he means to say, but you have to decode it, right? You know, cut it up and get to the essence of it. That's what I'm telling you. I, this is essentially is uh, Bernie saying, I, I, you know, Trump is an existential threat to the permanent bureaucracy that has enriched us all and works very much in our favor. And Cornell West, uh, certainly a, 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 a devoted leftist, a communist, and a race baiter, uh, is, is at least principled enough to say the truth about the Democratic Party. They are dominated by the corporate wing. Remember earlier in the program I said the immigration problem will never get fixed by the monoparty. Tucker Carlson calls it the monoparty, right? The Democrat-Republican establishment party. Doesn't matter who's in power. The same thing essentially happens. A little tick this way, a little tick that way. And everybody who is in D.C. who has their hands in the pot, everyone who's near the action, they all get rich. Meanwhile, who gets screwed? We do. And Cornell West is saying this on the, on, the, on the Democratic side, but instead of giving a sermon of the type that you get from Vivek Ramaswamy, for example, where he lays out a vision of opportunity, of hope, of optimism, of individual liberty, Cornell West is a tried-and-true communist hate monger. Everything is this oppressive struggle, the rich people out to get the poor, no chance for a, a, the little guy to get ahead except for a powerful central figure, an authoritarian, authoritarian type. Cornell West has the grand poobah of America dictating how this all is supposed to work. This, this is, that's, that's the thinking. And that's why it will never get traction because it's so fundamentally deeply un-American. That has to be said. It's fundamentally not who we are. John Eastman, when we come back, uh, was on Laura Ingram. I want to mention this. My former dean of my law school where I attended, uh, Chapman University uh, School of Law, uh, Eastman's one of the lawyers representing Trump uh, in the aftermath of the 2020, uh, 2020 election indicted in Fulton County. Speaking to Laura Ingram, uh, some uh, interesting parts of this in the first half of their interview, which aired last night, second half will air tonight. I want to get this to you uh, before the second interview, part of the interview comes out. Very interesting stuff. I'll give you my legal analysis of it when we return as well. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Great to have you with us here on the What's Right Show. Don't go anywhere. Back in a moment. Sam Rajovsky here, News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back, folks. John Eastman, one of the lawyers representing Trump, who never should have been dragged into this Fulton County nonsense. Election interference, conspiracy. This is a total joke. Remember, Eastman also is one of the uh, people, one of the lawyers has been targeted by his state bar out in California. They're looking to take his license away. Uh, Eastman talking to Laura Ingram last night came out swinging. We did nothing wrong. We were challenging the election for what even uh, Vice President Pence described as 
serious allegations of fraud and numerous instances of officials violating state law. And if we can't speak out about that, then our freedom of speech, our right to petition the government for redress of grievances are gone. But also importantly, I'm an attorney and you know the people that I was representing had a right to counsel. And what's going on here with the bar complaints against everybody involved in any of the litigation, this Fulton County complaint, the unindicted co-conspirators in the federal action, they're trying to stifle people from being able to get representation in election challenges. They've made that very clear that that's what they're up to, and we can't allow it to happen. Absolutely. This is such a critical thing. Imagine we go after lawyers who represent, for example, criminals that we don't like. I mean, what if... (laughs) Imagine, imagine that, right? We have, we have such specific constitutional protections for people to be allowed to assert their rights through counsel in courts of law. And that's precisely what was done here. Now, John Eastman goes on to say it's crazy to say that constitutional questions here are settled law because they're not. If, if disputed questions of constitutional law all of a sudden become criminal, we, we could, we could uh, throw you know, the entire legal profession, the entire legal academy in, in jail. Now, the fact of the matter is throughout our history, uh, significant uh, leaders in Congress have, have argued that Congress doesn't have authority under the 12th Amendment, that the founders specifically designed it that way so that the president wouldn't owe his job to Congress. It's a core separation of powers principle that the founders adopted. So the notion that this is well settled is crazy. Yeah, this is uh, truth, right? And, and, and by the way, I mean, I can tell you that it is by definition, a completely common occurrence that two parties will show up in court, and I say this as a lawyer, two parties show up in court with absolutely, completely opposite interpretations of the law. So what if one side, it's determined by a rogue prosecutor, is violating the law by arguing their position on behalf of their client unbelievable this is so beyond the pale in particularly offends me you know the, the one, again they're they're going after the lawyers i'll say this again for a very specific purpose they want to they want to make it they want to make it impossible for any of any 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 attorney to go out there and and, and represent trump they want to make it so difficult for trump to get legal counsel it's, it's already happened a lot of people are politely declining. Why, why in the world would they take this on? They may end up getting arrested. So bad faith, RICO, right? RICO requires bad faith, requires that lawyers, in order to bring lawyers into this, that, that the lawyers is a, a you know, crime fraud exception. Um, Ingram asks about the RICO side of the Fulton case. You know, that re- require findings of bad pay- faith on the part of, you know, all the co-defense were engaged in this RICO conspiracy. So, would you know? What do you think? She asked of Eastman. Did you know? Did you know that this was all phony? Did your did you guys like talk uh, amongst yourselves and decide we're going to go overturn the election? I mean, did you did you have that kind of agreement? <laughs> and this is this is what Eastman says. Well, 
they've got all the evidence. They've got all my emails. My phone was seized over a year ago, so they've got all that stuff as well. And I challenge them to find a single email or communication that supports that uh, implausible theory. Yeah, but you know what? The reason that they need to do this, the reason that they need to do all of this, the reason they need to bring in the lawyers is not just to scare the lawyers, but to disqualify Trump from ever holding office. And that's why you're going to hear a growing number of Democrats make an argument similar to the one made by Jamie Raskin, Democrat Maryland, who said this on CNN, uh, CNN's uh, show here Sunday on Dana Bash. Have a listen. Section three of the 14th Amendment presents a clear and unequivocal statement that uh, anyone who has sworn an oath of office, and by the way, not just a president, but members of Congress and uh, others who hold federal office, um, who engage in insurrection or rebellion, having sworn an oath to uphold the Constitution against enemies foreign and domestic, can never serve again in federal or state office. And this was added after the Civil War as a general constitutional principle, um, and we have to abide by it. So it's not just enough to get the J6 case rolling and to convict Trump of rebellion, but also, also, of course, need to get him engaged in overturning an election, right? And now you've got the full gamut. Now you can, according to their theory, at least uh, get him disqualified. This is, uh, by the way, I, I strongly disagree with this assessment. A number of legal scholars disagree with it as well, but you have to understand what it's all about. They will stop at nothing. In fact, Bernie Sanders is perfectly willing to throw his entire positions his he's willing to lay down for Biden just to prevent Trump from getting into office. The level of hatred that they have for this man is unbelievable. They'll stop at nothing. I know Tucker's out there talking about assassination. I saw him. I saw him over. He did a podcast. What was it yesterday? He's talking about, well, he's, but Tucker's point about Trump is this. You know, they, they started with, you know, step one was, was ridiculing him. In 2015, the left ridiculed him. I'll never forget the first two rallies. Uh, one of them happened here in Nevada, I think. The other one was in, was in Arizona. Nonetheless, watched the two rallies, remember seeing him, and immediately knew that this was different, and this is somebody that was possibly going to win, certainly come close to winning, and, and nothing but ridicule. Oh, he doesn't even have 1%. He has no chance in heck. It's cute. Then the next step with Trump was, when he began winning, was to lie about him. Not just mock him, but lie about him. Misrepresent him. Attack him. That failed. And he was elected. So then came the plan to ruin him and destroy him. Of course, we know what Hillary Clinton did in cahoots with the Democratic Party and with the FBI and Bob Mueller. Two impeachments on the flimsiest of grounds. All those went away. Then what did we have? Oh, that didn't work. I guess we got him out of office, but still have to destroy the guy because he could come back for a second term. We'll indict him four times. And the guy keeps getting up, right? This is like the zombie you're trying to kill. If you're putting yourself in the Democrat mind, Trump is a zombie. This Mother effer won't go down. So what's next? Tucker is saying, of course, assassination. I mean, look, it's the next thing. Um, 
I hope not. I certainly hope it's 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 terrible to think of. But these people will not stop at anything, and you they they say out in the open what they intend to do. They give the reasons for what they are doing. And I know John Eastman, and I take him at his words. He would not say they've got all my stuff, and there's nothing. They're not going to find that. They're not going to find any evidence of what we call mens rea, evidence of guilt or knowledge of guilt, a guilty, you know intentions and if they have to prove the intent which they do here in order to prove the bad faith side of the rico case um they're going to have to come up with that but engaging in lawsuits engaging in legal activities to prove that you have a constitutional basis for looking into election fraud whether it's real or not that's not the point is is it's insane to categorize this as criminal conduct. And so this whole thing is flawed from top to bottom. But again, I, I always, you need to know the context of it all. Uh, it's all leading to preventing it because they're starting to realize Trump's barred from holding office. They're starting to realize that everything that they are doing is not keeping this guy down. In fact, if anything, it's, my gosh, it's helping him. <laughs> Who would have thunk? Well, <laughs> we did, I mean, <laughs> I think I think many of you are much wiser than some of these idiots sitting up in Washington. All right, Sam Rajovsky here. I'll be back tomorrow, folks. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a fun time out there, but we have hope. So please keep on that hope, keep the faith. I'll see you tomorrow. Sam Rajovsky, the What's Right Show. See you later.